Welcome to the Revival Method Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps that you can take to start moving, thinking, and feeling better. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Revival Method Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brandon Parker, and today is a pretty awesome episode because I want to give you all the things that you will need to know to lose the body fat that you're looking to lose. Because I understand how frustrating it can be to try to lose this body fat, put all your time and effort into this, and just to feel like you're spinning your wheels and not getting the results that you're looking to get. So before we get into that, I do have a small ask of you. If you've been listening to this podcast and you've been getting value from these episodes, please take this small amount of time that it takes to hit the five-star review on whatever you're listening to, whether it be YouTube, hit the like button and comment below. That would mean the world to me because my goal is to try to help as many people as possible. And the only way I can do that is if this podcast becomes more visible to people that are listening. If you want to take it a step further and really help me, you can screenshot the screen that you are currently listening on, repost it to your Instagram story feed and tag me in it. I would love to repost that. And the reason why I am putting a lot of effort into this podcast is because it allows me to go a little bit deeper. Well, I would say much deeper on these topics and, and talk about the complexity because doing it on social media, it just gets buried because that's what the algorithm does. So if we can get this out to as many people as possible, I feel like my impact will be at its largest. So without further ado, let's jump into this, right? So my hopes are we're going to talk about the three layers of, I guess, complexity for this topic, and then we'll get into some troubleshooting on why some people might not be losing the fat that they're looking to lose, okay? So layer one, you have to understand that our body abides by the law of thermodynamics. Now, that being said, the law of thermodynamics in social media world can be a little bit simplistic and reductionist. Now, it is true we have to burn more calories than what we're currently consuming in order for us to lose weight. Now, that kind of disregards the complexity that comes with the lifestyle factors that we have to work around to make this law work. But it does ultimately do it does come down to this law. So if we are not getting the results we're looking for, we have to ask ourselves why are we burning less calories than what we're currently consuming? Is it the fact that we're not actually burning the amount of calories that we think we're burning? Or perhaps we are eating more calories and we're unaware of it, right? So when in doubt, ask yourself that question. And it really does center you. Um, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't put blame on something you can't control. It really uh, holds you accountable. And I think that's very important for something like fat loss, because it is a slow process. And it is something that does take uh, a little bit of introspection of why am I not getting the results I'm looking to get. So that is layer one. When in doubt, layer one is the principle that you need to understand. Um, but to add a little bit more on top of that, a little bit more nuance on top of that, let's talk about how our body burns these calories on a day-to-day -day basis. So by, by large stretch, our basic metabolic rate is what spends the majority of our calories on a day-to-day -day basis. So what I mean by that is our basic metabolic rate is the amount of calories our body needs to just live and breathe. So if you were to wake up and you laid in bed all day and went back to sleep, 
that would burn 60 to 70% of your daily caloric intake. That's a large amount of calories, okay? Your, your second calorie expenditure, I would say the second largest category of where we burn the majority of our calories is our non-exercise activity. Our non-exercise activity could be summed up in fidgeting or talking with our hands, walking to and from the bathroom, yard work, basically any activity that's physical and not formal exercise. That makes up 20% of our caloric burn. So we're looking at anywhere between 70 to 80% of our caloric burn just by simply living and breathing and fidgeting and walking to and from the bathroom, right? So when you start to understand that, we start to shift our priority a little bit, right? So let's go on to the, the third category. We have the thermic effect of food, which is 10% of our daily caloric intake. Thermic effect of food is simply put, the amount of energy your body spends breaking down the food that you're eating into something that your body can actually use for energy. So that being said, like, you know, when you're eating a bunch of protein, your body can't just use that protein immediately for energy. It has to break it down into its simplistic, most simplest form so it can be used. Okay. So that's 10%. So now we're at Basically, 90% of your daily caloric intake is living and breathing, fidgeting and talking with your hands, and of course, like, you know, yard work and stuff like that, and then eating food. Yes, you are burning calories while eating food. And then that last 10% is where everyone focuses all their energy on, which is exercise. See, you have these people that are just slaving away on the treadmill, just really crushing themselves in the gym just to really maximize a 10% caloric burn, right? So you see how low leverage that can be when comparing it to the 60 to 70%, the 20% of the things we talked about earlier. I love bringing this up because when we start to shift our focus to what is the biggest buckets of water, if you will, you start to really look at exercise for what it is versus where you need to be focusing your effort is more so the nutrition side of things. Now, exercise is very important. It helps you preserve muscle mass. It helps you preserve protective strength and mobility. And I will never discredit exercise. It's like my favorite thing to talk about. But when it comes to fat loss, people receive fat loss by abiding by layer one, which is your thermal, uh, your law of thermodynamics, burning more calories than what we are consuming. Okay. But Let's go on to layer three, okay? And that is your protein intake. Because when, I, when I'm coaching, the thing that I tell my clients to focus on the most, and it's because it's usually about building strength, building mobility, and losing body fat, I tell them to focus on two things, caloric intake and protein intake. Your carbs and fat are important, but if your goal isn't performance-based, we don't necessarily need to tweak them it, like, you know, really split hairs with them. They usually can fall where they fall on your typical diet and it meets the, uh, the requirements that you need to reach your goals and live in a healthy and optimal lifestyle. And you're not pulling your hair out to make sure that you're, you're dialing in your carbs and fats. Okay. So why is protein intake so important? Well, when we are in a caloric deficit, because that's what we need, like we're, we, when we are burning more calories than what we are consuming, 
our body needs to start searching for energy sources. Okay. So that's where we start to break down body fat, but we also start to break down muscle mass. Muscle mass is metabolically active, which means our body needs more calories in order to preserve muscle mass. So one way that we can preserve that muscle mass to make sure that we are not losing it like crazy in a fat loss phase is we need to eat protein because that's the building blocks of our muscle. So by simply eating more protein in a fat loss phase, we are going to make sure that we have enough muscle to one, have protective strength, two, actually have something that looks good when we're burning all that fat, right? Uh, you'll see this in the industry be thrown around. It's called the, the phrase skinny fat. You have these people that don't eat enough protein, they crash diet. And then when they get to their goal weight, they look not good. And even the people that did the weight loss, they'll even agree like I don't look the way I thought I would look. Well, that's because when you lose body fat, you're just exposing what's underneath it. And if you don't have the muscle mass, you're still going to look like this ill-defined person that's not uh, achieving the physique that they ultimately sought out seeking, right? So uh, that being said, so you get the physique you're looking for, but I also like to talk about it like this. Remember the third largest category of our caloric burn, which is the thermic effect of food. If we increase our protein, we're not only preserving muscle mass, which has a whole host of benefits, but we're also going to make sure that we feel fuller for longer. So we're, we don't eat more calories, which makes our diet much easier. And then the third thing is it boosts our thermic effect of food, right? So that thermic effect of food goes up because protein takes more energy to break down into a usable energy source. So it's almost like a hack, if you will. I hate using the word hack, but it's kind of like a hack, like that you increase your protein and it just has nothing but benefits. Now, that being said, your protein intake should be informed by your healthcare provider. Uh, if you have pre-existing kidney issues, you want to talk to them to make sure that your kidneys are healthy enough to up your protein intake. But if you are somebody that is healthy with no issues, you can definitely eat the optimal amount of protein intake, which is going to be 0.8 grams per body pound. If you are a 100-pound person, that is 80 grams. If you're 200, a 200-pound person, that's 160 grams. Anything past that, I'm terrible at math. Break out your calculator. <laughs> so those are the simplistic layers that if you understand, you will get the results that you're looking to get. I promise you. I Don't just take my word for it. You can see my client results. They all lose body fat, build protective strength, and unlock lost mobility by simply following these three layers, okay? And on top of that, they say this all the time. They're like, I didn't even feel like I was dieting. I always felt full, and I couldn't believe that I was losing the body fat that I wanted to lose for years. And it's simply following these three layers. I, I, I'm pulling back the curtain. I'm telling you everything that I do with my clients. I promise you. Now, I do want to jump into some caveats because navigating these circumstances could get a little hairy and people might not understand why they are not getting the results they're looking to get. Okay. So let's talk about a, a recent study. There was a recent study that showed that the ages between 20 and 60 years old, the metabolic rate does not change. What, what I'm trying to say is uh, a 25 year old and a 45 year old, if they are 
pretty much the same person with the same muscle mass, uh, they will have the same metabolic rate. They'll burn the same amount of calories. That's pretty crazy if you think about it, because we used to think oh, I'm getting older. I'm 40 years old. My metabolism slowed down. I used to eat like this when I was a teenager. I don't know why I'm putting on all this fat. It's not your metabolism. It's all the lifestyle factors that comes with being an older adult. You have a career that you're super stressed about. You have kids. Now you're probably eating their leftover chicken nuggets because you don't want to throw them away, right? You have the fact that now you're, instead of you know going to gym class or playing sports, your pastime might be something more sedentary like bowling or golf, right? Unless you're walking the course, of course. But, but these are the things that you have to consider because these are the actual large levers that are going to decide whether or not you're burning calories, right? So- they did find after 60 years old, you start to see a slow decline in metabolism. It's about 1%. And to, to paint you a picture, because it's a slow decline, it's not something that would just hit you like out of nowhere. Like, wow, how did I put on 15 pounds? It doesn't work like that. Because that being said, if we just do the math, let's say that you're eating 2000 calories, 1% of that is 20 calories. So uh, that would probably be a bite of bread. Right. So like a, a bite of bread difference between um, what, like 60 and 62 isn't the reason why you put on 15 pounds. You, you see what I'm saying? So, um, yes, there is a slow decline in metabolism as we age, but it's not something that we should really point to be the culprit when there's much larger leverage points. OK, now I do want to jump into a little bit of hormones and metabolism because it does play a large role. OK. For somebody that is aging, especially the female going through, let's say, menopause or the male that's losing testosterone as we age, uh, you'll start to see similar things. First, let's talk about the female and then we'll talk about the male. For the female, you'll start to see loss of estrogen for menopause and estrogen is anabolic. So we actually start to lose muscle mass when estrogen goes down. So with less muscle mass means our basal metabolic rate goes down, which means we're not burning as much calories because we have less muscle, right? We also see the fact that, you know, stress goes up and sleep is compromised because of hot flashes, irritability, all these things that come with menopause. And that tends to lead to different lifestyle factors. If you are tired and feeling like garbage, the chances of you taking the stairs, the chances of you... Uh, eating foods that align with your goals, but takes more effort to prepare all go out the window because you feel bad. And I, I totally get it. But these are the things that we can actually control. Uh, whereas menopause, unless you go down the hormone replacement therapy route, you don't necessarily have direct control on. And once again, I'm always focusing on the controllable variables because at the end of the day, we're taking accountability for our circumstances. We can make changes on the things that we can control. Okay. So once again, hormones, as they go down, our muscle preservation also goes down. And that's where we have to start to really focus on exercise and protein intake and making sure our sleep is well, because that all helps preserve the muscle, which is metabolically active. Okay. So as you start to consider hormones, the things that we want to do is just basically the same thing that we would do if we're younger. We just have to be a little bit more aware as to why things are changing and things and the reason why we might have higher stress um, and also worse sleep. Okay. 
One thing that I do want to cover, this is something that's pretty paradoxical and most people will not know about, and it goes over their head, is metabolic adaptation. And you see this in the older populations uh, because they're trying to combat the increased uh, body fat storage because of the hormone, uh, the hormone decline and the lifestyle changes. So let me paint this picture, man or female. This happens with both of, uh, genders. And I see it all the time with my clients. You see this decline in caloric intake because they, they know about the law of thermodynamics. They know they have to eat less than what they burn in order to lose weight. But what is crazy about this is they eat so little and they exercise so much that our metabolism begins to adapt. And what I mean by that is, no, it's not starvation mode, okay? It's actually happens like this. You are eating very little calories. So your body knows there's not a lot of energy to go around. And it knows that you've been exercising like crazy. So you eat a little bit, you go for this long walk, you burn all these calories. For the remainder of the day, your non-exercise activity will plummet. And what I mean by that is you're fidgeting, you're walking to and from the bathroom, your uh, hand gestures when you talk all just disappear. All these things that burn calories are going to just completely go away because your body's going to conserve that energy because it knows it's not going to get more calories in the future. So what do we do for these people that keep lowering their calories and they keep upping their exercise and they're not actually seeing a change in the scale? Let's talk about it through the lens of layer one. Okay. Layer one, we have to burn more calories than what we actually are eating. But what happens is this, we lower our calories and our body tries to conserve energy. So our non-exercise activity actually goes down. So yeah, we're eating less, but we're also burning less because we're not fidgeting anymore. We're not walking anymore. We're not doing all these things. I'll take it a step further. As they are dropping their caloric intake, the average person isn't eating enough protein. As we said, we talked about earlier, we have protein to preserve our current muscle mass. So as you keep lowering these calories, your body doesn't have any energy to function or even preserve muscle. So that means their basic metabolic rate also comes down. So now you have your non-exercise activity coming down because there's not enough energy to go around, but you also don't have enough muscle on the body to promote your basic metabolic rate. So then you have this cascade effect where they're tired, they keep storing body fat, they're no longer strong, they're more prone to injury, and if you're injured, you can't exercise anymore. So it is a complex problem. And the crazy part is this, the solution is something that most people wouldn't even think to do. And it's actually reintroducing calories back into the diet. Because once again, you, you, you almost know just enough to be dangerous, but it actually becomes something that shoots you yourself in the foot. Because if you are eating more calories, how are we actually going to lose body fat? Well, you see, 
as we start to slowly introduce calories back into our normal daily routine, our body will start to feel and move better and we start to burn more calories in the non-exercise activity category. Then, of course, over time, as we introduce more calories and we continue to resistance train, then we start to promote more muscle, which then we start to boost our basic metabolic rate. So in this circumstance, most of my clients actually have to gain a little bit of weight, some not always, but some of them do, in order for them to reset everything, to prime their, their metabolism, if you will, to then actually burn the calories again, burn the body fat again, and actually have a healthy weight loss phase. So once again, if you're in this uh, situation where you're metabolically maladaptive, you have to slowly add calories back into your diet. Like when I say slowly, I mean an additional one to 300 calories per day on a weekly basis and check your weight. What you're going to see is this. You're going to see most of the time, you're actually not going to gain weight for the first like month because when this happens, your body just equally starts to get more and more active as you add more and more calories. Now, there's going to be a point where you kind of find like a plateau and that's where you should hang out, where you're no longer putting on a lot of weight. Um, well, you're no longer adding more calories and you're no longer adding weight. You hang out there while we build muscle. And then as time goes on, you start to feel really good. Then we can start to talk about restricting the calories little by little to start burning that body fat. But I can understand why people don't try this technique because it just doesn't seem right. It seems counterintuitive. But that's how we get success with people who have been chronically dieting for a very long time and wondering why they can't lose any weight. Uh, an anecdotal example of this is uh, we had a client who legitimately felt cold all the time and lethargic. And by simply adding a little bit of calories into their day-to-day -day intake, they started to feel warmer again. It is, it's essentially your metabolism was sparking. You're bringing more bodily warmth to themselves, which was a pretty cool, um, I guess, side effect, if you will, of, of actually being a little bit more metabolically uh, active. So... Those are some had some roadblocks that you might have to navigate. The other things that I want to talk about, these ones are pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but don't underestimate how many people mess this up. Okay. Um, first and foremost, you're probably eating more calories than what you think. If you are not abiding by the law of thermodynamics, layer one, um, you're either not going to lose weight or you're going to continue to gain weight, right? And that could be simply put, are you tracking everything properly? Now, before I get into this a little bit deeper, understand that I don't want people to be tracking their food for the rest of their life. That is tedious, but it's more so a, an activity that you do until you build the skill set to understand what you're eating and how you can guesstimate these foods. So it kind of turns into intuitive eating where you kind of look at a meal and you understand like, oh, that has a lot of calories, that has a lot of protein, has a lot of fats, so on and so forth. But as you're tracking, you need to understand that you have to track relatively everything. Your, your cooking oils, which if you're, let's say, using olive oil, that's going to be somewhere between 120 to 300 calories if you're heavy-handed. Um, you have to make sure that you're not necessarily snacking at random, but more so you're aware of the foods you're snacking on. 
and just making sure that you're accounting for the sugary drinks that you might be drinking or anything that has calories that we should be at least understanding that it's coming into our diet, right? Now, if you have that all pretty much handled and you're tracking everything, the other most common issue I see is people have weekend flings. They do really good Monday through Friday, and then even Sunday they do great. But that Saturday night, they go out, they have their drinks, they have their foods, and they wonder why they're not making any progress. One night of you eating a large surplus of calories can derail your progress. And that's not me saying, hey, don't go out, don't have fun, don't have your drinks. Um, that's not realistic and that's not sustainable. And that's not a real lifestyle. You have to build it into your diet. If I know I'm going to go out and have a great time and, and eat a lot of foods and drink a couple of drinks, I'm going to make sure that my breakfast and lunch are lighter on the calorie side. It's as simple as that. It does go back to that simple math equation, um, but uh, when people don't actually account for this, they are in a small deficit Monday through Friday. Let's just say Monday through Friday, they created a deficit of, let's say, 800 calories, right? And then they go out to eat on Saturday night and they have multiple drinks. They have all these foods and then they're in a surplus of 1600 calories. Well, not only did you negate the progress that you were making, but you actually uh, backtracked a couple of days as well. So. I want you to be aware of that. We have to make sure that everything is slow so we preserve muscle mass and slow because it's sustainable that way. But um, you also want to make sure that you're staying somewhat aligned with your goals so it doesn't take forever to reach your goals as well. So I hope all of this has given you at least some type of perspective and give you some type of a, a roadmap so you feel a little bit more in control of your circumstances. But once again, I just want to do a, a quick recap. You have layer one, which is your law of thermodynamics. We do have to eat less than what we are burning in order for us to lose weight. We also have to make sure that our protein is higher. So when we are in a caloric deficit and we're losing weight, the majority of that weight is going to come from body fat and not our muscle mass. And just remember, 10% of our daily caloric intake is exercise, whereas 20% is our non-exercise activity and 70% is our basal metabolic rate. So before you go on to the treadmill and slave away for hours on end, remember, there are easier ways to get the job done. There are more sustainable ways to enjoy your life while trying to achieve your goals at the same time. 